You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome into Trailblazers on SENZ. I'm Ricky Swanell. My guest this week is one of, if not the best hockey player this country has ever produced. Four Olympic Games, three Commonwealth Games, two World Cups, 260 caps. Kayla Whitelock, welcome to Trailblazers. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I feel like I want to kind of rip the Band-Aid off straight away and get into the stink stuff straight away, the most recent. So can we do that? Can we get into the knee, the most recent injury? How are you, first of all, physically? How's the knee? Yeah, it's it's slow, but it's going to um, been really focusing on trying to walk properly. Uh, one of the simple things of just trying to get that extension and, and flexion and putting that weight bearing through it. So it's come a long way in the last actually during this lockdown so it's been kind of perfect for me to be able to do a little bit more rehab rather than um, the day-to-day things and trying to sneak it in here and there. Because how long has it been now? Uh, coming up about eight weeks so I yeah we got stuck in Australia um, for went for a six-day holiday and then ended up being an 18-day holiday so um, surgery kept getting pushed back a bit but it actually worked out perfect because I was able to um, not feel guilty and just watch the Olympics the whole time. Did did you book that holiday as soon as you knew what you'd done and was like, I've got to get out, let's get away? Yeah, pretty much. Um, George, my husband, suggested we should go away and have a little bit of a break before obviously getting into rehab and just, uh, I guess, time away with the family and, and reconnect. So it was good. It was just a little bit longer than we expected. <laughs> I'm sure the kids must have had a terrible time with extra 10 days on the Gold Coast. Yeah, they, um, you know, they wanted to get back to the farm as well, especially my son Maxwell. But um, no, it was good. We had the beach just down the road, so it was perfect. We'd get out and about, and um, they loved. I mean, it was the winter, but they were in uh, shorts and no tops on, so they were loving it. They could spot the Kiwis uh, from anywhere. When going back to, to when you, you did your knee, you did your ACL. You've done that before many years ago. Was it the same leg or different leg? Different leg, yeah. So in 2006, I ruptured my left ACL and then, um, yeah, obviously most recently did my right. So now I've got uh, two bung knees. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty standard for most athletes, though. You, you get out with decent knees, you've done pretty well anyway. But when it happened, did, did you know? Yeah, I think I did. Um, just just the initial pain, I guess, that I felt. And, and I, I kind of felt something inside go from side to side. And generally, that's. Um, I guess well known in the ACL world that if something goes from side to side, it's um, your ACL. So yeah, it was. You always have that hope that it's not, and your and your fingers crossed. But um, when I initially did it, I thought I'd just slipped on the stick, but um, the impact there obviously was inside the knee. It wasn't just slipping on the stick. It was more of a a collision, um, which I remember now that um, one of the Aussies kind of slid into the side of my leg and just the angle that I was on, I you know, the knee buckled in and then came back out and then I slipped on the stick to finish. So, 
that was what I remembered. So you, have, yeah, you didn't, you haven't watched it. You haven't seen it happen. Oh, yeah, no, I watched it pretty much straight away. Oh, did you? Uh, yeah, doctor messaged our physio saying, "Oh, she didn't twist. She didn't rotate. It should be fine." But yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I knew it wasn't great. Um, the physio was like, "You're not getting stretched off. You're walking off." And I was like, "Oh, okay." So she put me up on her, um, on her shoulder, and and, and we walked off. So. Yeah, yeah, pretty crazy. Yeah, I was watching it. I remember watching it at the time and, like, my heart sinking for you. Like, just when you watch it on a sport, you go, oh, God. But you did. You're like, I'm walking off this blooming turf if it, if it kills me. <laughs> yeah. It was like, get up. You're all right. Oh. You're, you're going to walk. And I was like, yeah. And I was um, – I remember being stretched off in uh, Italy, I think it was, here in Rome when I did my, my left ACL. But, yeah, she wasn't having a bar of that. <laughs> It, it was days before the team to um, play in Tokyo was to be announced. So how did you process it all? How did you get through? You had gone through so much to get back, and then this happens at, at the worst possible time. Yeah, it was obviously you had to wait till we got the scan just to confirm um, that next morning. So I went back to the hotel um, with the girls and had the scan, I think, was pretty early. We were rushed in, um, I think, got a knock on the door saying get out of bed <laughs> we're off for a scan at eight o'clock and then got the news probably midday and then I um went into the team meeting and and told the girls what had happened and um and then I went home obviously just to rest rest up there and, and get a bit of sleep because I didn't have much sleep the night obviously the night I'd done it because I was in quite a bit of pain um, and then, yeah, I met up with the girls actually later that night. They still had one more practice game against Australia. So um, they played that game. Um, I didn't go to the game and then and met them out for dinner um, before everyone kind of dispersed back to their regions. And then and, and then I guess that week, yeah, the team was named. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much how it all happened. That, um, yeah, it, would, it was tough, obviously. Um, but it was good to reconnect with the girls um, out for dinner before they went away. How did they handle it? I mean, there's some in that team like Stacey, Sam, Rose, perhaps, that you have played a long, long time with and, and were coming back to, to be part of the squad with. Yeah, they they were good. Like, they were just supportive. They were obviously just gutted for me. They didn't really we, – we didn't talk about it too much. We kind of just, um, I guess, had yarns and, and – um, yeah, debriefed, I guess, the this, this series in a sense. But, you know, they were pretty gutted um, for me. Um, a couple of them have obviously had knee injuries as well, so they've been through that process. So, um, yeah, it's, it's probably the hardest thing is it, it's it's a long injury. It's not a quick fix or yeah. two or three months. It's a, you know, nine to 12 months kind of process. So, um, yeah, they, they were good. They were really supportive and they kept in touch when they got home and, and just sending messages and stuff. So, um yeah I was just gutted I, I guess I couldn't be there with them and um you know to try and do something special over in Tokyo were you at that's well, probably at that point you didn't know but w- were you okay watching how did you go watching the Olympics just a few weeks later yeah well my the the first I obviously watched the girls play um Australia over in Perth so I, I got mm. to watch those games although I was on my um cell phone chewing through a lot of data <laughs> watching them when we were over in Aussie so um, I watched the first game and then the second game I couldn't really watch because I, I chewed up way too much data um, 
So I'd, I'd kind of, I guess, ease my way into it. I kind of wanted to try to absorb myself in it as much as possible. Um, and then I uh, connected with the girls when they were in Perth and just we had, a, I guess, a conversation of previous Olympics and different experiences and, and, and those learning kind of things. So that was that was good to be a part of that. And then, yeah, I was actually on uh, TVNZ for, for the first game of the Olympic Games. So I was smacked straight back into it. So, um, yeah, it was enjoyable to watch, obviously, that, that first game and see the girls take that result against Argentina. Um, it was hard, no doubt about it, watching the girls because obviously you want to you want to be there over with them and, and especially when they're doing well as well. So it was actually quite nice to have um, Mandy Smith alongside me and, and chew the fat with her as well. And um, yeah, so it, it was tough, but it was good. What what had it taken you to come back? So you you had Addison and you played Rio and then you retired, didn't you? And then had Maxwell and then decided, yeah, I'm I'm going to come back and do this one more time. So what what was that process of? I'm going to commit to doing this. I've got two kids. One of them's still pretty small. Um, yeah. in COVID times as well. What was that commitment like? Yeah, it was it was tough. I mean, I think we're. I kind of got um, – I, I went over with um, Georgia Barnett. We went over to America to play a, um, just a fun tournament, Cal Cup, and there was, a, there was about four or five of the USA women's – ex-women's team in there as well, and we just had fun. We, it was, it was um, a good time and um, came back from there and Georgia was like, come on, let's play National League, and I kind of was just pushing it off and pushing it off. And I, I was obviously back playing club and then um, – went along to that tournament and, and played there. And it was halfway through that tournament where Graham and Katie had kind of touched base and said, are you available <laughs> kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go again. <laughs> you must have known they were going to ask. Uh, yeah, and um, oh, it's, it's hard to know because eh? I'd been out of the game for a good couple of years. So um, it's hard to know where you're at against, uh, I guess, the, the players that have um been going that those last two years so for me it was just getting through the tournament surviving the tournament with my body and um just contributing to my team as much as I could and and helping them as as we went through so midweek through yeah got the phone call and um had a chat and kind of obviously talked to my family about it they were all up at the mount with us and so um they were egging me on I think well they were (laughs) yeah going come on you can do it kind of thing and mum um and and George mum was well if if you need me to take time off work to help look after the kids then definitely we'll we'll make it work um so yeah and 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 then the next two weeks it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster I guess because I was like oh how's this gonna affect the kids you know like it's it's not like we're we're kind of centralized I guess up in Auckland so it makes it a little bit more difficult so had um had a few conversations with Graham across that those couple of weeks and um we were off to the Rugby World Cup so it was um kind of good to to get away but by that stage I'd the wheels were I guess moving um I'd been presented a contract um for that and so yeah getting over to Japan and running the streets over there and thinking you know in a few years time I could could be back here I know a few of the girls are pretty shocked obviously to see my name first of all on the the team list coming back in so 
yeah, that's that's I guess how it all kind of come apart. And and then and then for me, it was just about building my fitness um, back to the level that it needed to be because there wasn't a lot of <laughs> fitness being done over that period with um, Maxwell. I think I'm not sure how old he was when I decided to put pen to paper and, and come back into the team. We'll take a quick break here on SENZ and come back shortly on Trailblazers with my guest, Kayla Whitelock. Welcome back to Trailblazers on SENZ. My guest is Blackstick. I'm not saying former Blackstick, Kayla Whitelock, just yet. Um, we're talking through her hockey career. We started going back through the most recent, but let's go right back. And, and you, you took up the game as a kid. What did you love about hockey? Yeah, I, I was kind of forced into hockey in a way, like I, at my primary school, um, that and T-ball were the two sports that I was able to play. So, um, and I just loved it probably from the day I picked up the stick. I was probably constantly offside. Well, I know I was constantly offside because I was a striker at, <laughs> at that stage. Um, but I just loved it so much. I think, um, you know, I I think I turned up to the under-11 trials at like, Eight, eight or nine years old and um they were like oh no sorry you're t- you're too young for this but then and then I think the coach at the time Brent Turner came back to mum and said hang on a minute I think she might be all right for this um this level I think she'll be able to handle it so it started off you know pretty young I was introduced into rep sides um as a young yeah eight nine year old and, and playing in the under 11 side and and then just kind of pushed on from there I think um you know, I was at my first trial when I was 17, didn't really expect to, I guess, be named in the Blackstick side then. Um, so it all happened pretty quickly for me. Because it is a sport where young players can progress really quickly. There's always been, I think it's changing now as we look at, you know, the different ways that we do kids sport, but that there's been reps, reps throughout the grades um, and you elevate really quickly. How did you know that you could handle that that next level every time you took a step? Um, it was probably more my parents that probably got a lot of flat flack with, I mean, me going through the grades a bit higher. I, I wasn't really aware of it. I was just playing and was getting selected for teams. So, um, I guess they, um, there was people that obviously thought I should, shouldn't be going ahead at the rate I probably was. Um, but I wasn't aware of that. As I said, I just, was being selected for these teams and um, went through the age groups. I, I th- went to um, the New Zealand under 16 trials, I think at, at 14. And so I was always the, probably one of the younger ones going through the age groups and then playing national league as well. I was, um, you know, I was one of the young ones playing with all the, um, all these older players that had, that I, I guess looked up to gr- growing up. So um yeah, it kind of just probably happened naturally for me in terms of stepping through those age groups, and I didn't probably really think about it too much. Probably when I was around under 15s, under 18 group, I, I vividly remember the coaches wanting me to be um, the captain of the side, and at that, at that point it wasn't for me. I was yeah. like, I probably started crying and was like, no, I'm not, not up to that kind of thing. And so... And, and when I first made actually made the national side, I remember them giving me a card just saying "believe in yourself." So um, that was, I guess, probably around that age where you start to, I guess, doubt or, or, or do you think you're good enough to be at that level? So I know after my first tour, probably I think we 
we played Canada here in Palmerston North and, you know, after that first tour and then I went over to Australia and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm really up to it yet. Um, but the coaches kept persisting with me. And, um, yeah, I think I went away on that next tour, scored my first goal. So I was pretty happy about that. And I think things just kind of started tracking along. And I think after my 50th capital happened pretty quickly, I was like, um, you know, every game is, is going to count from here on in. I just want to do the best that I can every time that I step out on that field. So that was something that I tried to, I guess, live by from from that point on. 50 caps is a lot of caps to get to that point. But yeah. <laughs> um, I think I was still pretty young. But that's the thing with hockey, right? You like you guys play so many tests. You know, two hundred, two fifty, three hundred tests is not uncommon. So fifty, you were probably still only about twenty by the time you had fifty cats, weren't you? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think uh, how old I actually was. I yeah, it all went pretty fast anyway. That um, I mean, I think we were playing about twenty cats a year, average. So that jumped up pretty quickly. Um, as I as I went on, we were we were hitting about fifty a year, so um, that became pretty crazy. Who, who, yeah, who, who gave you the card that said "Believe in Yourself"? Um, so it was Lorraine Emery and uh, Lynn Lockett, so they were my um, coaches. I think through under thirteens, one or two under thirteens. So yeah, I remember that pretty vividly. Mm. Where it had, it had "Believe in Yourself" because obviously back then when they were coaching me, I, I they. They probably saw that I didn't back myself enough um, to be competing with, I guess, those older players. Because I, I guess when you go into a team at 17, 18, you're, you're still, I mean, you're, you're, you're a young adult, but you're still essentially a kid playing with adults, playing with girls and touring with adults as well overseas. That must be a, um, a really different, I'd imagine probably then too, the drinking age might have been slightly yeah. higher as well. Um, but, you know, like how do you, how do you fit yourself in when you are a kid with grown-ups? Yeah. Um, that, that first year, I mean, I was just probably in awe with some of the players that I was playing alongside as well. So I, I, for me, I just was biding my time, I guess, doing all the jobs that, I guess, picking up the balls and helping out and um, those kind of things. But the team were really supportive around me um, being so young. And I guess on that my first year within the group, like we had a tour, a tour here, a tour in Australia. Then we went to Japan, I think, um, and then over to Italy, Sicily. So it was a pretty amazing year in terms of, you know, a 17-year-old not at school um, traveling the world and um, experiencing some pretty amazing hockey along the way. Probably the one thing that I struggled with in that first year was every time I'd come back, I'd um, injure my hamstring or, or something of the like. So it was going over to these really warm countries, playing overseas and then coming back into the cold back in New Zealand and uh, carrying my hammy as I come back um, into that. So um, that was one thing I probably learnt later in life. Um, but there's probably me just coming back into school hockey and, and all of that as well. So going and touring and coming back and playing those games. Was it ever hard to kind of go away and do the be in these amazing places and then you're coming back to, to Palmy and trying to slot back in with your friends and, and your peer groups and when your world is quite different to, to most 17-year-olds, most year 13s who are thinking about uni and all that sort of stuff? 
Yeah, it was tough. Um, my friends were really supportive, so they um, always would keep in contact and, and help me out when I got home um, back into school work. I was lucky enough that at my school they allowed me to just do the three bursary papers so that I – there was probably one thing I, I wanted to get into uni like all of my mates did and I didn't want to be left behind and wait till I was 21 to be able to – I think that was the age where you could, could sign up and, and go to uni. So – I had a big focus on that when I'd come home and I was lucky to, to be able to get those three subjects so that I could and was able to go to university at the same time. Um, it was it was hard probably like missing like lots of birthdays, school balls, all of those fun kind of things that you um, you know that you that you cherish I guess when you're when you're at high school and, and those kind of things. But other than that, um, they just loved seeing, I guess, me playing on the world stage and, and were really supportive of that. You played, as we said, you know, you made your de- debut, I think, what, 2003. So you've played across generations. Um, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Who was the best or who is the best that you've played with? Um, I would say, well, probably two I've got. Um, so Emily Naylor or Emily Gedham, my best mate, um, just consistent, like, everything she did was consistent I don't think she had a, a bad game um probably n- didn't set the world on fire but every single game she turned up and she did her job and she did it well mm. and then the other one would be Stacey Mickelson um I yeah she's just unbelievable way eh? like the her, her skill level um and her speed the way she the way she can maneuver the ball on, on her stick is just like unreal she's um quick um, she reminds me a lot of Amar, Luciana Amar, that she can just she can create things um, from nothing. Um, that was one of the biggest things I think for me coming back was like making you know making sure she was sticking around as as well so that I could um, you know have a crack with her. So yeah, I um, those two players probably the the key ones that stand out for me. Do you think New Zealand or New Zealand sport realizes how good a player they've had in Stacey in the last ten years, in the and and across the board, not just in hockey? Probably not. Yeah. Um, like, but but that's probably to Stacey as well. Like you know, she's not putting herself out there like yeah. like uh, I guess some some athletes do. But her talent um, and her ability to create and the speed at which she does it in. Um, the way she can just steal the ball off of people is is incredible. Like, it, you know, a few trainings up in Auckland this year, I was just like, far out. This is just not good. <laughs> she is unbelievable. Like, how can we stop her? How can we break her down? Um, so yeah, she she's she's got amazing skill and um, just I guess that competitiveness that she has. Yeah, I, I definitely think she's world class. Mm. We'll get to the Olympics next with our guest Kayla Whitelock. Stay with us on SENZ. You are listening to Trailblazers. You're listening to Trailblazers on SENZ. My guest is hockey star Kayla Whitelock. And you mentioned just before the break, we started talking about playing around the world in different places. So let's have a look at, at the Olympics in 2012 and 2016. Uh, New Zealand fourth in both. But what had come together over those years and, and before and slightly after that had made the Black Sticks one of the best teams in the world to even get into that position to be pushing for Olympic medals? Yeah, I think 
probably the first sign was when we were at a, I think it was a, it was a champions trophy over in Holland. Uh, I think it was 2011. Um, and we came third. So it was probably our biggest medal that we'd, the women's hockey team had, had achieved so far. So that kind of was a little bit of an inkling. Um, we were at against the, I guess, the top six or might have been the top eight teams um, in the world. Prior to that, um, meddling in Delhi in 2010 uh, for the for the Commonwealth Games, the silver medal against um, Australia there. So we were starting to track, I guess, a little trend where we were um, having some firsts. So first silver medal, first um, Champions Trophy medal, and then I think it was the first time we um, beat Australia for qualifying, and, and there was quite a few firsts that were, that were tracking along the way. Um, so I guess that was a, a bit of an insight to where we were, but the Olympic Games is just another beast. Um, and, you know, that's what the four-year cycle was. Everyone is preparing for that Olympic Games. So it's it's hard to know where we're at until you actually get, finally get there and, and, and whoever performs on the day is, um, you know, where the team's going to head. As someone who who was there luckily enough to to see many of these things I've seen the shootouts I've, I've seen, seen them in the flesh but I think back to London and it was such an incredible games all around that stadium was amazing and, and so close you got when you look at it now does it still hurt or can you look at it with pride and in, in what you did uh probably a bit of both I like it was the the I guess getting to the the semi-finals was huge um I didn't realise we played Germany in our last pool game and I thought we had to win the game to get through to the, the top two and here I am charging off down the field. Everyone else is like, what are you up to kind of thing? I think a draw obviously got us through. But, um, I was, yeah, I can remember vividly. I was like running as fast as I can to try and get a shot at goal and the, the last dying seconds and everyone comes running over to me going, we're in, we're in. And I'm like, no, we're not. We had to win. So, um I remember that and I was like, are you sure? And then I put doubt in our teammates and in Mark, I think, and I was like, he's like, are you sure? And then we we're like, okay, yeah, um, once we secured that. So it was it was pretty special. I think it was obviously the first time the New Zealand women's hockey team had been in that position. So, um, yeah, I think that excitement passed pretty quick and we knew we had a pretty big challenge against the Dutch in that, in that semi-final. What was, I just had this massive flash. What was the game when Katie Glynn split her head open and she came back with the bandage? Was that the semi final? Yeah, against the Dutch. Oh, I, I, I just had the image of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a pretty intense game. Eh? I, um, it was probably one of the best games I've ever been a part mm. of in terms of the atmosphere. So, pretty much the whole crowd was orange, I think, except for our. A little speckle of our yeah. family and friends um, in black, and uh, yeah, you couldn't hear you couldn't hear anything on the pitch. Like that's how loud it was. It was all our communication done was done through like you know vision and and, and pointing. So um, that was a different aspect as well coming in into that game, um, which I think you know showed that we knew what we were doing out on the field and, and we had a clear plan and, and, and we were structured up to be able to, to perform in that game because if, if you can't communicate, um, you know, verbally and then and you know where people are going to be, it was um, pretty cool to be a part of that. So I think probably the belief, there was about uh, two or three of us who had played in Holland 
for club hockey. And so we kind of got that experience of playing against the Dutch and we were like, you know, we, we kind of had that belief that they're just like any other team, they're mm. just like any other players. Yes, they've got massive depth and they're very skillful, but we can match it with these guys. And I think um, I think we just showed that and proved that, that we were we were there to compete and we were there to play. And I know, I know a couple of the Dutch players, I think we were in drug testing afterwards, they were just like... Couldn't believe it, you know. They were just like, "Wow," you know. And I think, um, I guess it put our team on the world stage that game. Even some of, you know, the Argentinians were like congratulating us again on that game and 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 how we had played. So I think we shocked the world, shocked shocked the nation um, with with our performance in that game. Um, obviously, it was stinking hot. Um, you know, we went to extra time, so next year I think it was, I can't even remember what it was back then, seven and a half minutes each way maybe, and then in, into the shootout. So it was it was draining, It was, mm. but it was also exciting and it was an a awesome game to be a part of. Mm-hmm. I mean, shootouts became a bit of a nemesis <laughs> for the team. Do you have nightmares about them? I think I've talked to Stacey about them, but I was like, we've just got to get over those hurdles. Eventually they did, everyone they did, but... Do you think back in those moments and just go, oh, shootouts? Yeah, yeah, I think it was one of the first majors that, you know, that the shootouts had just come in. Mm. Um, so it was it was a pretty new thing and it was a pretty big thing, obviously. Um, yeah, it, it took a while for the team to, you know, get a, a good shootout win on the world stage. And I think it was, wasn't until Commonwealth Games, you know, when they when the girls won gold mm. that um, they won that shootout there. I mean, it's, it's a really tough, you know, you, you've got to have really, um, I think it shows you've got to have a really good keeper who's able to make saves, um, obviously, as well as being able to slot them away as well as an attacker, attacking person. But having um, a really strong keeper back there definitely helps. Um, and I think you see in the, across the world that probably the top three keepers, you know, the other ones making those shootout saves and, and those top three teams um, across the world. So going on, obviously, after that game against the Netherlands in London, it's, it's so we see it time and again how hard it is to pick up after, you know, for, for a bronze medal playoff and it, and it didn't happen. You played GB and, and home and all of that. What was the, I guess, the mentality after that tournament, after it had come to an end? You'd been, as you said, you had done things that no New Zealand hockey team had done, but you hadn't quite got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think or for me personally, the desire to, I guess, was always there to try and, you know, so close but so far. Um, you know, I think it, it, thinking back on London, we, we had a great, like a brilliant semi-final, but then our third and fourth, we we just weren't there. We didn't turn up to play. GB obviously had their crowd behind them and they, they were up for, for that game. Um so, yeah, that was a little bit frustrating. I think um, I'm not sure. I think it was more um, we were obviously exhausted from the game mm-hmm. before, uh, but I think just mentally we were we were drained uh, as well um, from from that match and, and couldn't match, I guess, that intensity that GB brought out um, in that third and fourth game. Mm. In between London and Rio, you got married and you and you had a baby, and then you came back. How old was How old was Addison when you went to when you went to Rio? Um, she was sixteen months. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, she was pretty little. So yeah, I had Addison, and um, 
Mark and Hixie, our videographer, came down. Um, I'm not sure what they're doing, though. They had a few meetings, I think, around. They came and visited me at the farm. I think Addison was five months I old. I think just on a lad's trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the roadie. Um, and kind of, I guess, planted the seed in terms of um, are you keen to come back? And I, at that stage, I think I obviously was. Um, I think I played National League again that year. Um, and then I went up to Auckland um, with George and Addison. Addison was, I was still breastfeeding, I think. And I went to a little um, training session with the Black Stick side just to, I guess, see where I was at um, and played that. And Mark wanted me to go off to Champions Trophy, but I, I wasn't right. Um, I didn't feel like I was ready or, or um, right to go. Obviously, I was still breastfeeding, so that was a bit of an issue. And then, um, and then I just I didn't want to go over and be showed up on you know on the world stage. So I was just like, no, I'd rather have a couple of months just to get myself a bit bit better. And and then um, yeah, I went. Edison and my mum actually came away to Argentina with us, we had a series over there and um, played there and then slowly, I guess, worked my way back up uh, to a level that I needed to be. Mm. We, I think we did a piece around 2016 and there's some photos of, of Addison on tour and, and with your mum and stuff. The team and, and Mark, the coaching staff, must have been very accommodating to to make it work, but everyone must have had to buy into it as well. Yeah, I'm not sure what the discussions were with the team um, prior to us coming away. Um but I guess talking to a few of the girls now and looking back on that, some of the girls were like, that was one of the best trips I've ever had, ever had because it, there was that balance. It brought a different, I guess, like, you know, we'd be stretching and Addison's crawling around us, yeah. um, you know, as we're doing that or coming on team walks or just breaking up, I guess, that intensity of um, full-time training and meetings and those kind of things. So it was tough though. Addison got sick. Um on the flight over so it wasn't the best of starts to the tour but um luckily enough she came right and um yeah mum saw a different side of of touring um as a black stick um I think we had a four-hour bus ride which actually was a seven-hour bus ride and she just couldn't believe um how, how it all operated but um yeah it was it was cool to be able to share that with them um coming and in, to the side Edison obviously doesn't remember anything but no. Um, Mum showed us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We better take another quick break here on ECNZ. You're listening to Trailblazers with me, Ricky Swannell, and my guest is Kayla Whitelock. Welcome back to Trailblazers. We are with uh, Blackstick Kayla Whitelock. We've been talking a- about Olympic experiences. Um, you mentioned earlier about being asked to be a captain um, when you were very young. Did, did leadership and captaincy be- something you grew into, or was it always something that you that you enjoyed or that you took on? Definitely grew into. Um, as I said, at, as a younger age, I wasn't having a bar of it. You know, I was um, like, no, nah, I'm just here to play and um, do my job kind of thing. And then um, probably wasn't until actually before 2008 um, Beijing Olympics where Kevin Towns put me in the leadership group. So I was still relatively young then um, to be in that leadership group, but I had some good leaders around me so I could could learn off them. So um, that was, I guess, the start of the leadership role. And then um, when Mark came on board as well, he had quite a few players who were leaders. You know, like we kind of, the captaincy got 
revolved it a little bit and we moved around and then me and Emily I guess predominantly became more of the captains and, and then we had that leadership group so definitely something that I grew into and um, I guess gaining that confidence to be able to to do it. I guess hockey is it's a it's a very popular sport but it has its ebbs and flows and the Olympics we all love it and for you it is probably a, a very well-known face obviously in the sport one of the most well-known but outside of the sport too did that something you also had to kind of learn to take on that recognition and, and being a bit of an ambassador for your sport yeah definitely I think um obviously I really enjoy going into the schools and and seeing the kids and um you know they don't really care who who you are what level you are you know um as long as you're representing New Zealand or the best of the best in in what you're doing so um that gives you a lot of I guess um enthusiasm um to to get back into those skills and and you go yeah this is why I'm doing it you know is um all these little people uh inspiring to be like you hopefully one day or, or just give them a little bit of light to to pursue something that they want to do, whether it's in arts or music or um, sport. So um, I really find that um, inspiring in itself. And, um, yeah, so that's, I guess, something that I always look back on for me personally. And then, yeah, you start to get recognised a little bit more. Obviously, we're not um, as high profile as, like, the rugby players as such. So um, we can still have... I guess more of a life in that sense, um, but yeah, you you do start to get recognised more the more I guess we're around, um, especially around the Olympics, the Commonwealth Games, and, and getting out into the community as well. Mm. You, where where do you see hockey in, in the landscape? You obviously get a pretty up close and personal view of what elite rugby is like. Obviously, your husband George was an All Black, your brother in law Sam is a, is a very high profile and, and good All Black. Um, where does how do you see hockey and and what it can do? I mean, it's not going to elevate to rugby status, but to have more of a foothold in the sporting psyche in New Zealand. Yeah, obviously, um, competing well on the world stage is, mm. is a huge thing because it gets you that recognition um, and people want to follow you or or um, see you. I think getting around different communities as well um, probably um, would help hockey um, rather than, I guess, being in the big centres all the time. So getting around um, around the nation. I think, obviously, the more we're on TV, the, the better it is. Um, you know, the more, the more we're in people's faces. But we need, we need to perform or we need to do well to, to I guess, get that recognition um, on the world stage. I think, um, I guess... I guess for me, the rugby, the women's sevens um, team, you know, they're, you know, well, they are the top women's team, uh, I feel. And I think we need, as a hockey, hockey in in general, we need to learn from them as well. Um, They're a women's team. Yes, they are rugby, but I think they've got some pretty good values in in the way they do things um, with their sport and and getting out and about into those communities. Mm. Hockey had a, a pretty tumultuous time post-com games, the goal, which was amazing, and then getting into this point, and, I, and we don't need to relitigate at all, but you kind of got dragged into some of it. I think probably you just had Maxwell. You'd been in the team under Mark Hager. How was that for you to kind of work through all of that and then coming into a team that had changed where a lot of those familiar coaches and people that you knew weren't there anymore for whatever reason? Yeah, it was pretty tough. I think we were actually over in Sydney for Samuel's 100th game for the yes. All Blacks. So 
we'd, we'd flown over there. So I was kind of in it but not in it. So I was kind of away, obviously, doing that. So, um, yeah, it was tough, obviously, um, tough for me, I guess, with the, or the relationship that I had with Mark um, and, I guess, what he'd done for the team and what he'd done for the sport. You know, like he really propelled the team up into that top position people were aware of of who we are so from a personal point of view that was really tough to see him go through that and I wouldn't wouldn't wish that on on, upon anyone so um yeah I guess I I was probably all over the show with my emotions after just having Maxwell as well so I mean I I took a few phone calls from Mark and tried to help him out, out as much as possible um but I'm I'm just so stoked that he went over not over to GB, but over to GB and, and finally got that, that medal. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a pretty tough. And then obviously coming back into the group, it's always exciting. You know, um, you, you learn different things off different coaches and different structures and those kind of things. And I guess the team, um, we're in a pretty good space in terms of obviously they have done well at the Commonwealth Wealth Games. There's still that core players, Um who you know really wanted to achieve on the on the world stage and and I guess come back and get the medal and I remember messaging um, Stace and saying you know look I've been asked to come in what do you think I don't want this to be a negative thing on the group I want it to you know I would have just come back and help try and obviously do what we want to do and get a medal at, in, in Tokyo and um, I didn't exactly say get a medal at Tokyo but Stace pretty much said to me I. I assume you want to come back to win a medal. And I said, yeah, 100%. She said, yeah, well, that's exactly what I want to do, you know. So, um, yeah, so I had those conversations with a few of the girls just before I came back into the group. And at the end of the day, I had to make the decision on my own and um, try and commit as much as possible to the team for 2020. And then, you know, that kind of turned up on its head with, <laughs> with COVID. So, um yeah and then it was that process I guess of extending that out and whether I keep going or or stop there so yeah there was some pretty um tough moments I guess throughout um that period so yeah <laughs> so what now on the hockey front are you I didn't say it before are you a former black stick or is there there's a commonwealth games not that far away I know you've got some rehab to do um, but you've also got two kids, a dairy farm, an F45 business, and God knows what else. Yeah, it's pretty busy. Um, I guess for me, you know, as soon as I did my knee, I was like, yeah, that's me, I'm done, you know, I'm finished. As you reflect back, you're like, oh, am I actually done? Am I really done? Um, for me, first and foremost is rehabbing right um, and, and getting my knee um, into a position, I guess, to, to run (laughs) um and see what happens from there it's a tough one you know I'm getting I'm older now I think Commonwealth Games and World Cup might be a stretch too far you know in terms of the the timing um to be back out on the field yeah it's a hard one it's a it's a mental battle that I go through probably most weeks you know it's like um you know I'm looking at all the ages of all all these Olympians and, and these people going Am I too old? Yes, you're too old. You know, like no, it's, it's such a battle. But um, <laughs> at the moment for me, <laughs> at the moment for me, it's just getting that rehab done as best as possible and then just see how I'm feeling after that. You know, if it was a quick fix, three months, six months, you know, you'd be like, oh, maybe I could 
give it another shot. But yeah, there's um, yeah, there's a, a a lot of things to go between, I guess, then and and, and now. So for me, just rehab is the key, um, and obviously being with the family and 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 going from there. Okay, good. I'm not calling you former black stick, Kayla Whitelock, <laughs> just yet then. Uh, farm life, uh, were you a farm kid or have you adapted to farm life? Definitely adapted to farm life. Um, I, I'm a, a city slicker. Um, yeah, me and Emily actually were like, well, our sisters will marry farmers. We're, we're definitely city people, but we're both married farmers. So <laughs> interesting how it all turns out. But, um, yeah, no, I, lo- I obviously love being out in the country, it's nice to, um, we're not too far away from town. I wouldn't really like to be isolated as such. Um, I'd probably struggle with that because I need that connection from people. Um, the kids absolutely love it. Like this lockdown, they've hardly probably been home. They've been out on the farm with George helping pick up the calves every morning and Edison's up, you know, it's it's 6.30, ready in her farm gear, waiting for it, comes and gets my phone and rings, George, can you come and pick me up? So, yeah, they love it. Um, being Having that space is awesome as well. So through two ACLs, two babies, four Olympics, three Com Games, a couple of World Cups, still a little bit more maybe to write in, in the hockey chapter, we hope. You look back on it all, would you change a thing? Um. Not necessarily. I think that biggest learning, though, from from London to Rio, definitely, um, yeah, just those making those learnings and talking about it and getting that growth as much as possible. Um, yeah, I've pro- probably over the last few years, I've been, you know, trying to broaden things as much as possible and trying to find new ways to to learn and develop, whether it's with mindfulness or um, just that, I guess, that real passion to try and that curiosity to try and find that something different to um help along the way so yeah I think um I'm obviously helping my sister coach as well um at the moment she's a vivid um coach Verity she's doing really well with her team so she's dragging me along she's pretty full-on to be honest but (laughs) (laughs) it's good she's she's passionate about it and she um she has a vision and um she's dragging me along that and I'm like, yeah, she's pretty intense, but it's good. It's good to see. <laughs> oh, Kayla, well, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to having you on. Thank you for taking time out of, of your day with, as I say, a farm running and businesses and lockdown and all of that. And um, for everything, as I say, hopefully there's more in the hockey chapter to write. Kayla Whitelock, thank you for joining us on Trailblazers.